I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We're going to begin this sermon this morning at verse 25. After the crowds had just been fed the day before, and then there was this kind of Jesus hunt for where he was, on which side of the lake they didn't know where he was, and they finally find him in verse 25. And the crowds, after they had had their full the day before, and there were 12 leftover baskets afterward, they're, they're wanting to find him again. And they find him, and they ask him, where have you been? And as usual, in the way of Jesus, he doesn't answer their question at all, because it doesn't really matter what he's been doing over the night. What really matters is the motivation for why they're seeking him. And he names that for them in verse 26. He says, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You haven't been seeking me because of the sign. You've been seeking me because your bellies got full. Jesus tells them that they have missed the point of the miracle the day before. They saw the sign. They saw the miracle, and they were satisfied for a moment. They were satisfied for a few hours after their meal, but they did not see the person that the sign pointed to. The momentary satisfaction of a full belly caused them to miss him. And so he reframes reframes everything for them. He reorients them and he teaches them about how that miracle of feeding the 5,000, feeding them bread, was meant to be a sign that enabled them to believe in him. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I want us to place ourselves in the position of the crowds this day. Because we are very, 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 very much like the crowds. We like full bellies, right? And of course, this isn't just related to food, but about all of the needs and desires that we have as human beings with bodies that have needs and desires. We like full bellies. We like to be comfortable. We like sex. We like to be entertained. And none of those things are bad in and of themselves. In fact, they are good things. But our enemy has a very common tactic. And that tactic is to make those needs and desires that we have to be our main goal and our main purpose. Our enemy preys on the needs and desires of our body so that those needs and desires become our main focus and we forget the God who made us and who we were made for. This was the first temptation that Jesus himself experienced in the wilderness. Jesus had been led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness where Jesus was going to learn dependency on the Father through hunger and loneliness and suffering for 40 days. And the devil comes first to tempt him with bread. Jesus, you are out here in the wilderness and you are hungry. Your belly is empty. Well, Jesus, if you are the Son of God... 
why don't you turn these stones into bread? Satisfy that hunger that you're experiencing right now. Jesus' response is, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is nothing wrong with eating bread. Jesus is going to eat a lot of bread in his own life. He is going to give us bread as a reminder of who he is. There's nothing wrong with eating bread. But in that moment, the enemy, the devil, comes and says to Jesus, he says this, Make your relationship with the Father useful to you to get your belly full. Make your Father useful to satisfy some other thing. And this is what Jesus tells the crowds that they are doing. You have been searching for me, not because you believe that I'm the Messiah, believe that I have life. You're searching for me to get something else, a full belly. And we are very much like those crowds. As I was beginning to write this part of the sermon, I really began to, like despair is not too strong of a word, to despair as I imagined our situation in our world in 21st century America. Jesus's temptation in the wilderness was to make God useful to get his bellies belly full. And Jesus points out to the crowds that they are trying to make him useful to get their bellies full. And that's a problem for us, that we can try to make God useful to get something else that we want. But I want to say that we are a little even further down the road to the devil's purposes for us than even that. Because really in 21st century America, who really needs God to get their bellies full? Our bellies are full without seeking God. Our bellies are full. This past week, during our Following Jesus Together small group um, time, we, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. And the question that Simps had each of us ask was, what part of this prayer is very easy for you to pray? And what part of this prayer do you find hard for you to pray? And for me, as I took five or ten minutes to think about that, the part that came to my mind was, give us this day our daily bread. It's a very simple request. And in our home, we pray that prayer. We thank God for our daily bread every time we sit down for a meal. But as I meditated on that, I thought, I don't know if I've ever really prayed that prayer from a place of real need of real desperation that God would give me my daily bread. I don't know what it's like really to be hungry. There are some of you in here who may have had that experience, but most of us in here have never really had that experience of really being hungry. And because of that, what you and I in our life perceive to be our daily bread, perceive to be our very basic necessities, have actually been multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. There are so many things in our life that we think are our daily bread, are things that we think that we need. Just try to go 24 hours without touching your phone. 24 hours, one day. 
There's some of us that that creates anxiety in us just thinking about that. That is one of the thousands of things that we have come to believe we need as our daily bread. We have so much access to things and to entertainment and to food and to distractions and options to satisfy our desires that all of these things then become under the category of our need, of our daily bread. And if we don't get it, if we don't have it, we think we're starving. Our enemy has taken us a little bit down the road. Our bellies are already full And so our enemy makes us hungry by multiplying our desires. Our desires go far beyond our need for daily bread. Now we need more and more and more. And if we do not consume more, we feel like we're starving. Friends, our situation here in this present moment is spiritually dire if we do not pay attention. Our bellies are full. And at the same time, we are then exposed every day to thousands of advertisements that create new desires in us. That's what commercials on TV do. That's what advertisements on your Instagram and Facebook feeds do. They create desires in us. They place a product in front of us. They put it in a desirable light and they cause us to desire that thing. I remember very vividly as a child, maybe six or seven years old, watching football, and there was a a commercial for a luxury car that came on television. And and it was a man who was driving at night uh, along maybe Highway 1 in California, and he had his moonroof open, and he was listening to classical music, and he had this very contented smile on his face. I remember this commercial vividly. And all of a sudden, my seven-year-old heart decided that I want that. I'm not a car guy, never have been. And I was not born with this innate desire to have a black luxury car with leather seats and a moonroof. I was not born with that. That desire was created in me by that commercial. In this dynamic of the cultivation and creation of desires in us happens to us all of the time, almost every minute of every day if we're not paying attention. This cultivation of hunger in us, shaping our desires so that we desire only the things that we can see and taste and touch, and we focus on it and we grasp for it, we acquire it to try to acquire it, and if we don't have it, we think that we are starving. Our enemy has multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied the perception of what we think that we need. We have a real problem. Friends, I want to say to you that this is not a sermon that is meant to make us feel guilty about our wealth, or our luxuries, or our good meals, or driving a nice car. That's too shallow. It's too easy. That's not the point of what Jesus is saying here. What is the point? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never, ever, ever be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never 
be thirsty. Jesus tells these crowds who are hungry and desperate to get their bellies full one more time. He says, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you're never going to be hungry again. The goal of the devil, our enemy, is to make us hungry. The goal of our Lord is to make us full. Our enemy multiplies our desires. He parades and dangles one thing after another, telling us that we need them. This want, this desire, this need, this pretty thing, this glittery thing. And we grab it over and over and over again. And maybe, maybe it makes us feel satisfied for a moment. But we find over and over and over again that we only finish empty. Our enemy makes us hungry. Our Lord wants to make us full, content, satisfied. Whoever comes to me will never, ever be hungry again. We were designed, we were made by God that our meaning and our purpose our significance, our satisfaction, our peace, our contentment, that all of those things would be found in a person, not in a thing. Would be found in the creator, not the created thing. Would be found in the provider, Steve, not the provision. I am the bread of life. The multiplication of our desires makes us hungry, makes us feel like we're always starving. And so Jesus says, you don't need a multiplication of things. You need one thing, me. I am the bread of life. I am the one thing that will make you full and content and at peace and satisfied. And so friends, what I want to say to you is our problem is not our desires. God uses those so that we would search for him. The emptiness that you feel after 30 minutes of scrolling on your phone or giving into some other addiction, that emptiness that you feel after all of that, that emptiness is meant to be there. That hunger is meant to be there in order to move you to the one who will make you full. I have uh, committed this year to reading through uh, most of C.S. Lewis's work, so you're going to get a lot of C.S. Lewis this year. And this is one of uh, his most famous and just a wonderful quote of his. He says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. He is right on here. We are far too easily pleased. We are creatures made to desire. We long for things outside of ourselves. We love, we have passions. That is not a problem. That is a good thing. Our problem is that our desires are misshapen and disordered and focused on the wrong thing. And we consistently and persistently allow our desires to be satisfied very temporarily for lesser things. 
And we have all experienced the shame and the emptiness that comes from investing and pursuing our desire for that lesser thing. We are far too easily pleased. Augustine has his famous quote, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You have made us, Lord, for yourself, and our hearts will always be restless until they rest in God. He made us for himself. The psalmist says, as the deer pants for flowing streams of water, so my heart longs for you, O God. I search for God, for the living God. When can I come before God? Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We were made for relationship with God. Jesus' response to that temptation in the wilderness was to lean into his relationship with the Father. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you remember what the last word that Jesus had heard from his father was before that temptation? This is my son whom I love. I am well pleased with him. And Jesus went into the wilderness fasting, but he was feeding on that word of God to him. You are my son. I love you and I am well pleased with you. We were designed by God to be satisfied in relationship with him. And all other things, all other things on the face of the earth are given to us by God as gift. All the things that we have, the joy of a good meal, sex, a good drink, friendship, yes, even our iPhones. All of these things are gifts from him that can be useful to lead us to him and to relationship with him and others, or if it becomes a hindrance to us, we must rid ourselves of it or we get lost very fast. Our hearts become divided, our our desires multiply and they multiply and they multiply. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So I want to talk now about this word, believe. If we're going to never be hungry and never be thirsty, we have to believe in Jesus. Believe. It's a word that we use so much in church that I think we, we kind of lose the weight of what it means to believe. Believing in Jesus is not about getting your thoughts all right about him. It's not about agreeing in your minds about all of the right facts about who he is. Believing is also not simply about feeling strongly about him, like experiencing him in a worship service. It's also not a a lot about doing a lot of things for him, being morally, morally excellent or doing a lot of good works. All of those things are good and are important in the life of following Christ. Believing the right things about him, experiencing him emotionally, doing good things for him, walking righteously. All of those things are a part of a life of following Christ, but they are not what it means to believe in him. I came across this other quote this week. It says this, believing is something that I resolutely refuse to let mean anything except trusting Jesus. 
It is simply saying yes to him rather than no. It does not necessarily involve any particular theological structure or formulation. It does not entail any particular degree of emotional fervor. And above all, believing does not depend on any specific repertoire of good works, physical, mental, or moral. Believing is just, yes, Jesus, until we die. Letting the power of his resurrection do in our deaths what it has already done in his. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It simply means to say, yes, Jesus. And this expression of believing is made very clear at the very end of John chapter 6. At the end of John chapter 6, Jesus gives this really hard and strange teaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Jesus knows how to clear out a room. 5,000 people turned into a dozen really fast. So the 12 are there after everyone else has left. And I imagine this picture of Jesus standing, looking at all of the crowds with his disciples behind him. And as he's giving this difficult and hard teaching, Jesus is just watching as the crowds one by one begin to go home. They're not going to get what they want today. And then he turns around and he looks at them and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter <laughs> Peter, of all the dumb things that he says, he really hits this one out of the park. Because he says, Lord, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. That is believing in Jesus. Lord, I have come to the end of myself. I have tried everything else, and I find that I'm still starving. I have grabbed this thing and that thing, and I just find that I'm more and more hungry. But Lord, I've now found you, and I'm not hungry anymore. Lord, so I don't care if everyone else goes away. I don't care if the whole world dives headfirst into anything and everything else that is offered. I don't want anything else. I want you. That is what it means to believe in Jesus. So I want us to, to pause now and to be quiet and to ask the Holy Spirit right now in your own life to reveal or to name the thing or things that you have put before God. That, that maybe you think God is useful to gain that thing, or that you know that you have really invested your time and energy in, and because of that, you feel empty and hungry. To name that thing and then to listen today as the Lord invites you to come to him. And to say to you, I am the bread of life. That if you will come to me 
and believe in me, you will never, ever be hungry again. Father, we confess to you that we really are half-hearted creatures with shallow, shallow desires that find temporary satisfaction in temporary things. So Lord, may we see you as Peter did that day. We will see you as the bread of life. That we will come to you and stay with you because you have come to us and have stayed with us. That we will receive what you have to offer for us, which is eternal life that begins now and goes on forever. Lord, may we receive that invitation today. Amen.